This episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. I lived overseas for many years, and one of the biggest bottlenecks to international living is money transfers. You want to withdraw money from an ATM to access funds from your American bank account, and you don't realize you're getting hit with a $10 charge every single time you do that. Yeah, that did happen to me. So if you're dining in dollars or want to do business in bot, what a Wise account does is let you send, spend, and receive money in different currencies. Wise is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. This goes from a night out at a tapas bar in Spain to buying a property in the Yucatan. So if you're a digital nomad in Bali or want to send money back to mom, it's simple. And this is all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Wise works in over 160 countries, so your money's always at your fingertips. And over half of the transfers get their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. Join 16 million customers and learn how a Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com unplugged. That's wise.com unplugged. One more time, wise.com unplugged. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the History Unplugged podcast, the unscripted show that celebrates unsung heroes, myth busts historical lies, and rediscovers the forgotten stories that changed our world. I'm your host, Scott Rank. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one of those in between episodes where I answer any question that you have about history. Today's question is this. Who spoke the most languages of anyone? Well, let's try to find this out and let's dig through a lot of hearsay. There are historical figures who could claim to speak 72 languages and all sorts of fancy of being a hyperpolyglot, but it's hard to really know for sure because people have different definitions of what it means to speak a language. If I know a few words in Spanish and I remember from high school, donde esta la biblioteca with that terrible accent, does that mean that I know Spanish? Many people in countries across the world will claim that they're fluent in English on their CV with a similar level of English proficiency. I know this because I was an English instructor overseas, and people would say, oh yeah, I'm fluent in English, and would have about the speaking level of a second grader. But if we dig in further and look at scholars who actually did have a highly developed level of foreign language study, we find people who had a shocking ability to communicate in and even produce scholarship in multiple languages. Let me give a few examples before I give my thought of who had the most foreign language ability. One is the Italian cardinal from the 18th and 19th centuries, Giuseppe Caspar Mezzofanti. He was known for being a hyperpolyglot who could speak at least 30 languages. And just a few of these are Hebrew, rabbinical Hebrew, Chaldean, Coptic, Armenian, modern Armenian, Persian, Turkish, Maltese, Greek, Romaic, Latin, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, Swedish, Danish, Dutch, and on and on and on and on. It helped to be at the center of the Catholic Church where people all over the world are coming from and also to be on the Mediterranean where you have sailors, you have people traveling by ship who speak multiple languages and you can encounter these people. Another example of someone who had a rare linguistic ability was an American Protestant missionary by the name of Elias Riggs. 
Elias Riggs was the missionary with the Congregationalist Group, the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions, and he was in the Ottoman Empire. He lived to the age of 90. He lived from 1810 to 1900, and being in the Ottoman Empire is a great place to become a hyperpolyglot because so many different languages are spoken in this empire that's in the Near East. It covers modern-day Turkey, but also the Balkans, and down into the Arabian Peninsula. Through his travels, he encountered many people, and he also had a tremendous linguistic capacity. According to Mehmet Ali Doğan, Riggs started learning languages at an early age. He learned to read at four, studying Greek at nine and Hebrew at 13, and at college began to study Hebrew and the cognate Semitic languages, and also beginning to study Greek. When he arrived in the Ottoman Empire, he learned the languages there, such as Turkish, Persian, Arabic, Armenian, both Eastern and Western variants, Syriac, Neo-Aramaic, Coptic, and by some accounts, he was fully fluent, and I mean at an academic level, in 12 languages and could speak at 18. So he'd run around at a market in Istanbul and speak with shopkeeps in multiple languages. But the person I would like to nominate who had the most fantastic linguistic ability was the 19th century explorer Richard Francis Burton. Richard Francis Burton is one of my favorite people, and if I had to nominate someone as the real-life version of the former Dos Equis pitch man, the most interesting man in the world, I'd choose Richard Francis Burton. He was a British consul, an explorer, and he's best known for translating the Arabian Nights and the Kama Sutra into English. He discovered the source of the Nile with his expedition partner, John Hanning Speak, and he wrote multiple books ranging on issues such as linguistics, ethnology, ethnography, poetry, geography, fencing, and travel narratives. He could speak 29 languages, including Greek, Arabic, Persian, Icelandic, Turkish, Swahili, Hindi, and a host of other European, Asian, and African languages. So he could speak languages from very different language families. But what I think gives him the greatest ability is he was so adept at traveling and quickly acquiring foreign languages that he could assume a new identity and people would assume that he was native. Let me give you an example. Richard Francis Burton is one of the first people to undergo the Islamic pilgrimage to Mecca in secret because you can't go if you're a non-Muslim, but he assumed an Islamic identity and no one was any the wiser. He called himself Al-Hajj Abdullah. He traveled the road to Mecca in 1853 in a caravan. According to his travel friends, he was an Indian-born Afghani educated at Rangoon as an Islamic scholar. And before this, he presented himself as a Persian nobleman, switching out his accented Arabic with fluent Persian. So whether he was in India, whether he was in Iran, whether he was in Saudi Arabia, he could assume all of these different identities with no problem. Another one of his works was the 10-volume translation from Portuguese to English of the Vaz de Cameos, the 16th century Portuguese poet who's considered to be the greatest living writer in his language. So if he can go from the Arabian Nights in Arabic to the Kama Sutra in Sanskrit, I think it's written in, to this famous work in Portuguese and translate them all back to English and communicate like a native, to me, that earns the vote of Richard Francis Burton as knowing the most languages if we're ranking them in terms of complete mastery and not just knowing a few phrases, but also being able to use them at the highest level of academic excellence. Well, thank you so much for the question. If any of you would like to submit one to me, you can do so by going to historyunpluggedpodcast.com. There you'll find instructions. You can submit a question to me either in email or in an audio format. You can leave a voicemail, and I'll be glad to answer anything that you can throw at me. 
Thanks for listening to the History Unplugged podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get your daily dose of all things history-related from ancient Greece to the Cold War. You can do that by going to historyonthenet.com forward slash subscribe. Speaking of History on the Net, if you want to dive deeper, go to our site historyonthenet.com and there you'll find blog posts, book reviews, and all of our other podcast episodes. Plus, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so we can bring you the best daily history content possible. We'll see you next time at the History Unplugged podcast. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit